listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. I'm Coda Babcock. And I'm Ellie Shannon. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I go over updates in campus news and explain how businesses show approval of long-term patio dining options in Fort Collins. I go over new updates on COVID-19 in statistics and policies. And we hear from Michael Giles with her spoken word piece, which she recently performed at the Martin Luther King Jr. Day March. After that, CODA updates listeners on recent and future Supreme Court cases, and we hear from Ashley Ruffer from the City of Fort Collins about volunteer opportunities in the Recreation Department. After that, Eliza Droder gives an overview on CSU athletics, including Rams basketball in the KCSU Sports Podcast. To conclude today's show, CODA explains some updates on technology with information on Meta's AI supercomputer and a three-day weather forecast. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Ellie Shannon with your local and campus news for Tuesday, January 25th. Colorado State University is in their second week of classes of the 2022 spring semester. Tonight, there is going to be a CSU men's basketball game. It will be at 7 o'clock in Moby Arena with the Rams facing the University of Nevada. Make sure to listen to Eliza Droder's updates on all CSU sports later in today's episode. According to Mark Gokav of CSU Source News, The next phase in Colorado State University meeting its climate neutrality goal of 2040 is an air travel offset program that begins February 1st. CSU's climate neutrality goal of 2040 is to reduce emissions on campus by 100% before that year. CSU will assess a $10 offset fee for domestic air travel trips and $20 for international air travel trips on university business. Lynn Johnson, the Vice President of University Operations at CSU, wrote that the university spent more than $7 million on air travel in the 2019 fiscal year. The carbon reduction fees will help fund new equipment for other projects within the neutrality goal of 2040. CSU is opening a new food pantry to help fight food insecurity, according to Joe Giordano of Source News. The new Rams Against Hunger Pantry is located in the General Services Building on South Mason Street. There will be a grand opening on Saturday, January 29th at 1 p.m. Michael Butram, who serves as the Basic Needs Program Manager for CSU Student Leadership, Involvement, and Community Engagement Office, said in an interview with Source, quote, We will now have what feels like a true grocery shopping experience. People should be able to find foods that are nutritionally adequate and culturally relevant to their needs, end quote. The new pantry is just the latest approach by Rams Against Hunger as they continue to fight food insecurity at the university. Registration is required to attend the ribbon-cutting ceremony on the 29th, so visit source.colostate.edu for more information. Now on to local news. Due to potential snow and ice on Fort Collins Roads Tuesday, Residents should be alert and cautious when driving. According to Miles Bloomhart of the Fort Collins, Coloradoan, two wolf experts who helped reintroduce wolves back into the Colorado Northern Rockies are now saying that Colorado Parks and Wildlife officials should address a recent strain of confirmed wolf kills of cattle and of a dog. The reintroduction of wolves into the Northern Rockies was voted in favor in the 2020 election. The two experts stated that these confirmed killings of cattle and a dog needs to be addressed urgently and aggressively. Studies have shown that once a wolf has killed livestock or pets before, they are likely to do it again, which is why Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission passed an emergency regulation to allow non-lethal hazing on January 12th. Colorado Parks and Wildlife said it will compensate the ranchers for the loss of their livestock and dog to wolves and they have also stated that there have been discussion of relocating the wolves, but lethal control is still not possible. In some states, it is legal to kill wolves, but since wolves are still endangered in Colorado, it is still illegal. For more information on this story, visit coloradoan.com. Developers of a potential housing project that's key to a land deal between the city of Fort Collins and Colorado State University made an uncommon move and asked for input from Fort Collins Planning and Zoning Commission prior to submitting formal plans. Cottonwood Cottonwood Land and Farms wants to redevelop a 185-acre site that they own that is currently used for mining and gravel operations near the former Hughes Stadium site. While CSU is intended to get about 24 acres of the deal, 
to create affordable housing and attainable workforce housing. Under a memorandum of understanding signed in August, CSU agreed to pay $1 million for the 24 acres, and that sale is supposed to close in April or May, according to CSU. The deal also benefits the city of Fort Collins as they look to buy Hugh Stadium and respect voters' wishes to preserve the site for an open space. More updates are to come, and for more information, visit coloradoan.com. Fort Collins currently has an expanded outdoor patio program that began in the wake of COVID-19. Almost two years later, COVID-19 is still present within Fort Collins, and the city is thinking of establishing a non-emergency-related extended outdoor dining program. After surveys from businesses were conducted earlier this year, it was found that 64% of its 37 responding businesses supported sidewalk patios being made permanent, and 42% supported patios and parking areas being made permanent. More updates are to come on this. Visit coloradoan.com for more information. Thanks for listening to my campus and local news updates. This is Ellie Shannon for KCSU on 90.5 FM. We'll be right back with COVID-19 updates. Café du coin, tour à tour, j'ai des idées rouges, carmin. Local music is a sample element of every city around the world, but unique to every community. KCSU will showcase a part of our international local music exchange, a radio show and podcast collaboration with college radio stations around the world. All participating stations are sharing their local music community with the world. Listen to the podcast at kcsufm.com. We're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to COVID-19 updates for Tuesday. Colorado State University's initial spike in cases after students returned from winter break has started to plateau. CSU reports over 6,300 cases of COVID-19, with four new cases among students Monday. Over the weekend, over 100 students and nearly 30 staff and faculty members reported new cases of COVID-19 to the university. Larimer County reports a high-risk score for COVID-19, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention rank the county as having high levels of community transmission. The county reports over 67,000 cumulative cases of COVID-19, along with nearly 430 deaths. Larimer County reports a seven-day case rate of over 1,300 cases per 100,000 residents, a stark increase from the fall semester, where case rates regularly rested in the early hundreds. Over 100 COVID-19 patients currently receive treatment in area hospitals, with intensive care units reporting 102% capacity. In the past week, over one in four COVID-19 tests came back positive in the county. In high-risk periods, Larimer County recommends the following precautions. Get vaccinated and boosted against COVID-19 if you have not already. Wear masks indoors when people from outside your household are present. Masks should fit snug, and KN95 masks are especially recommended. Monitor yourself for COVID-19 symptoms, and stay home even if your symptoms are mild. Get tested immediately if you notice any symptoms of COVID-19. If you test positive, seek treatment and isolate. Postpone all indoor gatherings, and in the case that it cannot be postponed, require that all attendees be vaccinated. Consider limiting the number of households present and move activities outside if possible. Employers are encouraged to promote remote work options for employees where possible. 
The county also reminds residents to continue practicing social distancing. The state of Colorado reports over 1.2 million COVID-19 cases, along with over 11,300 deaths. Over 55,000 people are currently hospitalized with COVID-19. Nearly 10 million vaccines have been administered in the state of Colorado, and over 3.8 million Coloradans are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. The CDC reports over 70 million COVID-19 cases nationwide, which are on a downward trend in the past month. Over 864,000 Americans are dead from COVID-19, and over 80% of people over the age of 5 are at least partially vaccinated. The CDC reports high community transmission of COVID-19 nationally. That's all for Tuesday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you are a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate.edu to submit vaccine results, schedule saliva screenings, and get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university. I'm Koda Babcock, and that's all for COVID-19 updates. I'm Portia Cook, and you're listening to an interview with CSU's Black African American Cultural Center's 2022 Spoken Word Contest winner, Michael Giles. The Martin Luther King Jr. Spoken Word Contest is an annual event hosted by the Black African American Cultural Center here at Colorado State University. This year's Spoken Word Contest took place in late 2021, where students presented their spoken word poetry for a chance at performing their piece at the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. celebration held last week on January 17th in the Lori Student Center. Today, I will speak with Michael Giles, a senior Colorado State University journalism and media communications student and the winner of the 2022 Spoken Word Contest. Michael will be performing her spoken word poem titled A Series of Silent Screams, and we will dive deeper into her winning piece, which highlights several instances of violence against Black Americans throughout the years. Michael, thank you for being with me here today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I was lucky enough to hear your spoken word live at the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. celebration on January 17th. It is a very real, raw, powerful, and emotionally moving piece. How did you develop a series of silent dreams? Walk me through the process and the inspiration behind the poem. I was inspired by a case that was going on at the time when I wrote this poem. Ahmaud Arbery's trial was live at the time that I created this poem. And honestly, it just came out of frustration that I had with the justice system and seeing a lot of violence against Black bodies and never being justified in our justice system. And just sat down one night and was trying to take it all in because of all of the really hurtful things that were being said at Ahmad's trial. And then I wanted to reflect on the previous Black bodies that have gone through the same modern day lynching or lynchings and reflect through this poem. Absolutely. Now, when your piece won the Black African American Cultural Center's 22 spoken word contest, how did you feel? I was a little bit surprised because the other poems were incredible as well. I didn't even try so much with this poem. It was more of like the way that my brain was reflecting on things it was very real and very raw. I didn't know how other people would react to it, but it was obviously pretty good. <laughs> it definitely was. I know I was emotionally moved sitting and watching you perform your spoken word live. I shed some tears. Everybody around me that I seen was also shedding tears. So like you said, very real and very raw. Now, Tell me how it felt getting to perform your piece of poetry during such an important day and event like the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day celebration in front of so many people within our community. Honestly, it was really inspiring to be on the same stage as everyone else that was up there to say something to help push this movement forward. It was a bit nerve wracking because there were so many people in the crowd, but I felt honestly very empowered to hold my truth and speak my truth on stage and to move people to like feel inspired to do something. Absolutely. Now, what do you plan to do with the poem now, if anything? I've created a mini documentary to go along with my poem. The documentary is narrated with my poetry, and I hope to just keep this as uh, one of my portfolio 
items on my website and to share it more, like get more attention globally with it. Now, what do you hope a series of silent screams does for those who hear it? Honestly, this poem is actually a prequel to another poem that I wrote back in 2020, just called Silenced Screams. And I wrote that poem in a time where all of the protests were going on for George Floyd because I was on the internet, like social media, that seemed like they were looking at the problem as a black and white thing instead of a human problem and not seeing this modern day lynching as something that's really reflective of our society and the things that we accept. Absolutely. Performing her 2022 spoken word contest winning piece, A Series of Silent Screams, Miss Michael Giles. Content warning, this poem does talk about the death of a child, police brutality, and the brutal murders of Black people. The poem is approximately four minutes in length. If such topics are triggering to you, I do suggest turning down the volume for the next four to five minutes where you can then rejoin us for the remainder of the interview. A series of silent screams, modern-day lynching. August 28, 1955, Emmett Till is killed for Wolf Whistle. Read the headline of the Jet magazine. It was 1955, a headline many were just expecting, except this one a little more haunting. The boy was only 14, dragged out of his home and tied to a cotton machine. Found in the river, his mother still screams at the sight of her baby's face beaten by two men who possess the same energy as the devil unleashed. March 3, 1991, Rodney King, brutally beaten by Los Angeles PD after a high-speed chase. Beaten almost to death just for attempting to flee the scene of vicious restraint by the LAPD. The footage of Rodney King laid the foundation of film modern-day lynching. But slavery and all of its corrupt ideological ties ended with that guy Abraham, right? Jim Crow North with a Ku Klux South. Discrimination and hatred cannot persist because we're all created equal in the Declaration of Independence, right? But the footage of Rodney King's brutal, almost emasculating beating by the acquitted LAPD sparked riots at the cost of 52 lives, 2,499 injuries, and don't forget 6,559 arrests. All because Los Angeles decided to protest against the modern-day lynching they were now witnessing from a published video playing on their TV screens. Fast forward, July 17, 2014, Eric Garner, suspected of illegally selling cigarettes, brutally attacked by the NYPD. I'm minding my business, officer. He's pleading. Please just leave me alone. I told you like last time, please just leave me alone. Please don't touch me, don't touch me. He tried to scream. I can't breathe almost 11 times while his life left his body as it tried to fight the shackling chokeholds of the animal police. Same year, November 22, 2014, Tamir Rice, 12-year-old boy shot dead by Cleveland PD while playing in the park. He was outside just trying to have a little fun playing an imaginary game with a little toy gun until the game was not a game anymore. Quickly interrupted by police forced infliction, a real bullet shoots through him, shot dead within two seconds of police arriving to approach him, never getting the chance to even tell him he was just a kid playing a made-up game. He lets out a frightened moan. No last words. Fast forward two years, not forgetting the deaths in between July 6, 2016, Philando Castile, killed by a St. Anthony's, Minnesota officer while out driving with his girlfriend and her four-year-old daughter. Castile's murder was live-streamed, continuously haunting, and the officer acquitted for his wrongdoing. A series of bloodthirsty crimes now entering Colorado state lines in 2019, Aurora PD violently ripping the life away from Elijah McClain. August 24, 2019, Elijah McClain murdered by Aurora PD after officers respond to a call reporting. Wearing a ski mask as facial covering, McClain was wearing to maintain his body heat. Sickle cell anemia can be debilitating. Walking in peace back home from the convenience store until suddenly, 
stopped by police. He no longer has the right to walk back home in peace. His presence is disturbing. Restrained and forced to the ground as he screams, I was just trying to go home, I can't breathe. Not just choked, but inflicted with a sedative by paramedics, those entrusted to help him. I Can't Breathe has become a collective request of mercy from a barbaric justice department. These patterns lay witness to modern day lynching. And if these stories make you sick, just imagine the amount of unrightful deaths you haven't even heard of yet. We the people are paralyzed by our efforts for justice and constantly scrutinized for our peace. The chains we once thought were torn off continue to haunt us. Black lives move through America trying to fit in just to get some goddamn peace at night. Abused and neglected by a so-called justice system, for we are bait in this white man's country. Just pray we catch the police on a good day. For those of you who are just tuning in, that was Michael Giles performing her spoken word poetry piece titled A Series of Silent Screams, which highlights several instances of violence against Black Americans throughout the years. Michael is a senior journalism and media communications student at Colorado State University and the Black African American Cultural Center's 2022 Spoken Word Contest winner. She performed her captivating piece at the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day celebration on January 17th in the Lori Student Center. If you missed any part of today's interview, you can listen again by visiting kcsufm.com or by searching KCSU on Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more information on the Spoken Word Contest and the Black African American Cultural Center, you can visit baacc.colostate.edu. I'm Portia Cook, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for 90.5 FM, KCSU Fort Collins. Radio vibes. Oh, I got you, BB. You know that college radio is more than just the Coachella lineup, right? It's also like metal and sports and EDM and news and jazz and KCSU, where college radio is more than just college radio. And we're back. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to National News for Tuesday on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you missed COVID 19 updates or our most recent interview, Check out our full recorded episode on Spotify by searching KCSU News. The United States Supreme Court rejected a challenge to voting rules made as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. According to Jan Wolf at Reuters, Republican lawmakers from the House of Representatives sought to remove proxy voting rules set to avoid COVID-19 exposure between representatives. These proxy rules allow for House members to serve as alternatives for representatives who may be in quarantine or otherwise not present to cast floor votes. A single lawmaker could act as a proxy for up to 10 colleagues that they must disclose. The current resolution for proxy voting allows for representatives to take advantage of the policy on February 13th, but it may be extended depending on whether or not representatives believe quarantine periods will impact voting in the future. Republican lawmakers say that it violates the Constitution, as only lawmakers present are allowed to vote. Despite opposition to this policy, Republicans and Democrats alike have used the proxy system in Congress. The following article discusses the murder of George Floyd by police. This story is about a minute in length for listeners who may need to take a break from this newscast or listen later while they are not driving. Opening arguments began in the federal trial for the three officers at the scene during the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. According to John Collins at National Public Radio, officers Tu Tao Jay, Alexander Kung, and Thomas Lane faced their first day of trial Monday. 
where a prosecutor said that the three officers had the opportunity to save Floyd's life and chose not to. Prosecutor Samantha Treppel said to the jury, quote, You'll hear that the medical aid that would have saved George Floyd's life was as simple as that, turning George Floyd on his side so his heart kept beating, end quote. The former officer's defense team urged the jury to see the actions of their witnesses not as crimes, but to see the incident as a tragedy separate from the involvement of the three men. Two of the officers, Tao and Kung, face charges related to failing to intervene as Derek Chauvin murdered Floyd. The United States warned over 8,000 troops of potential deployment to Eastern Europe due to rising tensions between Russia and Ukraine. According to Barbara Starr and Jeremy Erb at CNN, the troops may be deployed to the border between the two nations, according to John Kirby, a spokesperson for the Pentagon. Kirby also said that the president has not yet made decisions on whether the deployment is imminent. Saturday, Biden met with top military officials to plan the next moves in avoiding a Russian invasion of Ukraine's border. Sunday, the U.S. reduced staff numbers at the Ukrainian embassy. The U.S. also sent out a weapons shipment to Ukraine in the past two weeks to support Ukraine's military in defending their borders in the case of an invasion. Supreme Court justices prepare to hear a case examining race and college admissions. According to Mark Shearman at the Associated Press, the court agreed Monday to consider how race impacts college admissions. This adds a new issue to the list alongside abortion access, guns, and religious freedom. The case claims that the public University of North Carolina and the elite private school Harvard University discriminate against Asian American students who apply to these schools. This case could end the use of affirmative action in university admissions, which historically reduced incoming student numbers for white and Asian students to give more opportunities to Black, Indigenous, and Hispanic students. Lower federal courts previously rejected the case, causing the case to be brought to the high court. For over 40 years, rulings from a variety of courts allowed for the practice to continue. This will be the first time the Supreme Court has had an outstanding conservative majority, bringing previous rulings to maintain the practice into question. That's all for National News Highlights. I'm Koda Babcock, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins and the Rocky Mountain Review. Now we're moving on to a feature interview discussing local volunteering opportunities. Today, I'm joined by Ashley Ruffer, Senior Recreation Coordinator at the City of Fort Collins. And today we're going to discuss volunteering with the city's recreation department. So before we get started and talk about volunteering with the recreation department, would you mind explaining kind of the type of city land that receives recreation support and the tasks the recreation department takes on? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Um, It's always an honor to talk about recreation because... um, I love it. And also the volunteers that we bring in to run our programs, we could not run our programs without volunteers. So they are definitely on the lifeblood of our recreation programs here in Fort Collins. We have several different entities um, within recreation that utilize volunteerism, um, whether it's at the Fort Collins Senior Center or if it's with our sports program. Um, It really just encompasses the fact that we're putting on programs to give back to the community and the community is supporting those programs. What skills are most valued for these volunteer positions and what skills do volunteers often walk away with? Oh, that's a great one because I feel like that is the goal um, is being mutually beneficial for both the department and the individual who's volunteering, um, both with skill level and also just um, from the heart and feeling like they're doing something good. Um, for their their fellow uh, community members. But I would say the skills can be anything from lifelong knowledge of um, how to run a program. Um, A lot of people come to us who are either going to school. um, We have a variety of interns that we have, um, especially from CSU, that utilize the skills. um, And I always like to say interns teach us most of the time way more than we, (laughs) when you know, the help that they bring us teaches us so much more. So utilizing, you know, skills as far as if we get CSU interns, um, technology is always something that we're always looking for. Um, If you can help us do a better, find better ways to do our job, then that makes our jobs 10 times easier. Also, anybody that's out there that's retired from any type of job. I mean, we're talking anywhere from building sets for, let's say, an ice show. So if you're good at carpentry, we can utilize almost any skill and figure out a place for you within the department. All right. And then while we're still on the topic of those benefits, can you go over some other benefits that someone might get from volunteering with the city and specifically with recreation? 
Yeah, specifically with recreation, I would say, um, I know this sounds cheesy, but long-term friendships, that's always something um, that we talk about because you really, you form friendships within the organization with staff, but you also find that camaraderie with um, other volunteers. So let's say you're volunteering at a special event and you might make a friend for life in somebody else who has the same passion for you to, let's say at um, one of our annual kids in the park um, events, Sometimes we just need people to make bubbles. <laughs> That's all we do. And people bond over that because the emotions that that brings to the kids, the look in their eyes, um, it's just, it's amazing. So um, I would say other skills, we definitely have um, tons of ways to get trained. I would say ability awareness training um, for in, um, individuals with disabilities. That is one of a huge training that you can take away from being a volunteer. Sometimes we'll do first aid and CPR training. We also have, we have a de-escalation training coming up to figure out how to make sure that we can talk to, talk to community members that might be a little bit more, uh, I would say vocal with, <laughs> with some of their, their feelings, but you, you know, you learn different skills from whatever different position you're in. But like I said before, um, most of the volunteers are teaching us. So All right. And then with those benefits and with understanding how all of those can shape this program, what are some of the opportunities currently available? Currently, we're starting to finally get programming back up and running. We have had um, quite a bit of programming in our licensed daycares um, running. Not a ton of opportunities for volunteering, but we're always interested in drivers. Um, We need people to drive the kiddos during camps um, to and from, you know, local destinations such as the bowling alley or even the Museum of Discovery or something like that. Um, just small 15-passenger vans that we can provide all the training for that. Um, you don't have to have a DOT license or anything. Um, we also have opportunities here at the Fort Collins Senior Center. We have um, guest services positions where you're helping out with our facilities, um, making sure that we're accurately grabbing counts um, and number of people inside the facility so that we can send those numbers on to the county. Um, We're always, always looking for people to coach um, sports. So if anybody out there is a a past um, basketball lover or (laughs) anything like that, please contact us because um, the the coaching is always one of those things that we, um, we can't run the program without coaches, without volunteer coaches. So All right. And then in in addition to retirees, a lot of college students especially are seeking volunteer opportunities to improve their appearance to potential employers and make themselves more viable for receiving scholarships. Unfortunately, students and recent graduates might also feel a bit strapped for time. So what are some opportunities that might be a bit more flexible for people in that position? You know, I, as the volunteer coordinator, am open to anything at this point. Um, Like we said, just bringing skills to us that can help us. We have quite a few people that are doing some admin work um, with, you know, non-sensitive information. If we, sometimes we just want to do research on other recreation facilities and what everybody's doing out there to make sure that we're on par with everything. Um, That could be a one hour service project that could help me because I would take an hour off of my plate. So um, I would say if you're looking for opportunities just to contact me and then tell me what skills you have to bring to the table and we can figure out a way around that because we're, um, you know, we're doing budgets, we're doing program organization, we're doing research. We're constantly doing things that require us to just be sitting down at our desks when we're actually needed out in the community a lot as well. So um, that would really be helpful and we can build ours around pretty much anything. We have a lot of um, special events that are up and coming as well that could be a, you know, anywhere from three to six hour service project. So if you're just looking for a few hours and you just kind of want to get the lay of the land of the city, um, I, we would love to have you at some of our um, special events and we can train you on site day of, won't make you do anything more than you feel comfortable doing. Um, but if you're interested in any of our volunteer opportunities, you can email me at A-R-U-F as in Frank, F as in Frank, E-R at fcgov.com. That's A-R-U. F is in Frank, F is in Frank, E-R at fcgov.com. A lot of religious groups and other nonprofits, a lot of the time are seeking out opportunities to volunteer in large groups. Is there any special form for them to fill out or should they just contact you like individuals looking to volunteer? Yeah, I can organize all of that um, based on what they want to be doing. 
we have prod, we have tons of groups um, that will come, especially um, some of the fraternities in Greek life um, from CSU will come and want to do an eight-hour service project. So we'll say, yes, please, we have 15 passenger vans and they all have to be cleaned. And so they'll come and they'll spend a day outside having fun, you know, cleaning the vans. Um, we have a ton of different opportunities like that. But yeah, we love when groups come because we can actually, let's say it's something that we've been meaning to do for quite a long time and that they can come and help us achieve that goal and completion. All right. And then as someone employed by recreation at the city of Fort Collins, what do you think is the most rewarding part of this work? Well, you picked the wrong person because I'm super cheesy and I talk about the city all the time and how honored I feel um, to be part of this. I would say um, the benefits of being a city employee and feeling so involved in the community um, and running programs that I know are for the benefit of um, everyone in the community. It's just, I don't know. I always say also like once you're in, once you're a volunteer, you're going to meet so many people from all over the city, from all different walks of life. Um, we love to just, uh, especially like our HR department provides such great opportunities for personal and professional development that pretty much you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be within the city. <laughs> all right. And then for my final question, does the city plan to introduce or rely on more volunteers for specific events and timeframes, especially as we start to move more into opening up the city and as we, as we have for the past few years? Yeah, that's a great question. It's right on par with what we've been talking about in the city volunteering as a whole. Um, so I represent the recreation department. We do have other recreation um, volunteer coordinators within this department. Um, so our adaptive recreation opportunities program, our sports program that I mentioned before, our day camps program. Um, we're also always looking for arts and crafts volunteers. So that's just within the uh, recreation department. Then when you move forward to a more of a citywide approach, we are actually looking at putting together specified teams to address some of the areas um, in the city that maybe staff can't get to right now. Um, one of those being a special events, um, specifically trained volunteer group. So we would love to get people that were super confident, well-trained to know how to just put on an event day of. We could do all the planning in the background and then it could be all theirs um, with our support during that day. So yeah, we're definitely looking at utilizing volunteers as much as we can. Um, as we said, we couldn't put on any of the programs we do without them, but the more we utilize volunteers, um, the easier it is for staff to be more organized. I'd just like to say thank you so much for having me on. Um, like I said, I'm always available. I would love to chat. I can also give you my telephone number is 970-224-6033. Always happy to chat about um, opportunities. Some people just come to me and say, hey, I'm just looking to give back to the community or hey, I just need a few hours here and there. And um, I love chatting with people and trying to figure out um, how we could best find a, a great fit for them within the City of Fort Collins Recreation Department. All right. Thank you again so much for joining me. Thank you. All right. Again, that was Ashley Ruffer, the Senior Recreation Coordinator at the City of Fort Collins. And we'll be right back. Support for KCSU comes from Munchies Supermarket. Munchies is located near the Campus West shopping area on West Elizabeth Street. Open 7 a.m. to 12 a.m. seven days a week. Munchies offers snacks, food, personal care items, smoking accessories, and more. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your RMR Sports Report. In women's basketball, the team is now at 13-5 and in their season, winning their game against Fresno State 78-67. Their next game is against Nevada at Moby Arena. In men's basketball, the team is 15-1, and beating Air Force 73-53. Their next games are against Nevada and UNLV, both hosted at Moby Arena. Women's softball and lacrosse has now announced their schedules and will be beginning in early February. In track and field, the men's and women's teams competed in the Air Force Invitational in Colorado Springs, and the Rams came home with multiple podium finishers. Congrats to Gabby McDonald, 
Liam Mathers, Mariano Kiss, Lauren Gale, and Jessica Ozad on their podium finishes. In women's swim and dive, freshman Lindsay Gizzy beat the school dive record at Air Force. The team was also recognized as a Scholar All-American team, and they will be competing against Northern Colorado this weekend. If you are interested in student tickets, go to csurams.evenue.net to get tickets for men's and women's basketball, lacrosse, softball, and more. My name is Eliza Drotar. This has been your RMR Sports Report. Thank you so much for joining me today. So let's get right into it. We're going to start off with some women's basketball. The women's team right now is 11-4 and four with their last home game happening on Saturday, the 15th against the New Mexico Lobos and a staggering loss of 85-74. The Rams had to play catch up the entire game, only matching the Lobos in points three times during the second half and only leading for less than three minutes in the first quarter by three. Yikes. <laughs> that is definitely not the thing that you want to have when you're supposed to be one of the top tier teams, but everyone has their off days. The Rams were able to control the paint, only allowing 28 points for the Lobos, but could not, for the love of anything, stop shots from outside. 57 of the Lobos' 85 points were threes. 70% of those points were from outside the key. No. To me, that is mind-blowing. The fact that the Rams were basically giving up by the second half left the left side completely unguarded. I mean, they controlled the paint, but at what cost? This is just my opinion, but I would rather have defense outside the paint than just inside. Like, I completely understand where people are coming from when it comes to, you want to make sure you can't get an easy layup, or you want to make sure that they can't make a rush towards the inside. I understand that. But I would rather have more points and shots in front of the three-point line, not only because it's less points, but some layups are unguardable. Like, we can agree on that. We have all seen a player or two at some point that seems like we should have blocked them, even though it was just a simple under-the-basket layup, just took a charge, and quick little swish. It's reasonable that you would make mistakes. It looks better on a team if they give up more shots that are easier for a player to hit, for me. That's the way I think about it. Because if you're going to have your defensive stats, you want to make it look like there was a lot of protection everywhere. For me, it looks bad when there's so many plays that are outside of the three. The defense just cannot stop those, especially when there isn't even a defender within five feet of the forward with the ball. For a D1 sport, to me, that seems like it'd be common sense to be able to have that. If you're going to have defenders, I know people get crossed up, but this was a constant thing that was happening. With that rant aside, the Rams went 9-12 and at the free throw line, so not too bad. We, we, we can work with that. Not too bad on the percentages, I'll take that. And of course, what I like to do, go over our team leaders. McKenna Hoffenschild had 19 points, 8 rebounds, and 10 assists. Whoo boy. Kelly Clark with 13 rebounds and 2 steals. Kendall Kaiser, Carly Murphy, and Utope all had a good contribution 14 points on the board. So yeah, that was kind of the big one. I'm going to go back to it because this is something that kind of drives me crazy. You left the three completely open. It was so aggravating watching it as a fan because I am a fan first. Watching it and just seeing that left side being completely unguarded was, it was the tip of the iceberg for me. I had not been to very many CSU games and I really did enjoy going on that Saturday. It was super nice. The atmosphere was wonderful, but also I was like, you got to be able to pull it closer, guys. You are getting you are right now one of the better ranked teams for women's basketball and that title is slowly slipping away remember when they started almost nine and oh i do and i thought it was great i'm like where has that been it feels like that sort of just fell off the edge of the map it was win after win after win but then against st louis I mean, St. Louis was a ranked team, but after that loss, another one of those big losses, 56-71, they sort of falling off the map. They did okay in the Arizona Classic. They did all right through part of December, but then in the last few games, just down, down, down. San Diego State was a little bit of a closer game, but it was still a pretty big gap of 10 points for a loss. And then Air Force was just, eh, let's not talk about Air Force. <laughs> Air Force, it was not one of our better home games, definitely, 52-77. And that was right before this one. And then for the UNC Health game, did not do what they needed to do. But at least they did come back for the Utah State game that they played on Wednesday in Utah with a win 88-72. So that was one of, that, 
that's one of their bigger ones. I would say I'm pretty happy with that. I'd say that's a pretty good thing. And I mean, the score was pretty consistent throughout almost the entire game. The Rams were up when it came to point totals. The only one being in the third quarter where they were outscored by eight. But you know what? We can work around that. And Carly Murphy, again, sort of being like one of the big players with that going nine and 12 for field goals and eight rebounds because I love the rebound people. And again, Kendall with another stupid amount of rebounds with 11 rebounds, two blocks and a steal and 16 points to boot. Holy moly, girl. Keep it going. Keep it going. I definitely want to see more stuff like that coming up for Boise State on Saturday in Boise. That'll be really exciting to see. I want I want to see how these girls can keep playing this game out. But anyway, they will have another game coming up very soon. They have a game on Saturday at Air Force against Air Force, obviously. And then they have a two-game homestand, the 25th against Nevada, and UNLV on the 28th. So, fans, you want to go see that? You should go see that. And if you want to hear the recap of the Nevada game, you can tune in here to Ramblers, and you'll hear it right from me. That one will actually be on TV. Both of the next few games are actually going to be on FS1. So, if you are a Rams men's basketball fan, keep an eye on FS1 when it's game time. And if you can make it to the stadium, come down to the stadium. It's an absolute it's so exciting. It's an absolute blast. I really, 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 really enjoyed being able to go down there. And I say that partially because I'm a fan and I do like being able to go down and see games live. But I also just, the atmosphere was so different. Like TV cannot describe it. And I am sure there are sports fans out there who understand what I'm talking about, whether if it's NBA, NHL, NFL, college level sports, anything like that. The atmosphere from inside the building just hits different. Even if you're at like a pizza establishment or something and you're watching the game, even still, it doesn't feel the same. When I was in the student section and there were other people there who had the shared interest, who was all ready for something exciting, I felt pumped up. I'm like, yes, this is what I want. This is exciting. This is great. I feel like I have a reason to be here. And I think the numbers in the capacity and the fact that there were almost 4,000 students is a testament to how that feeling is different. And even after COVID, where it seemed like the world was going on online. This proved that you didn't have to. This game was one of the pivotal things for like, is this after everything that's happening with Omicron and all this other stuff that's going on? People decide, you know what? We are going to go to this game and support not only our team, but our community. And I love that about sports. And I hope that it never changes. My name is Eliza Drotar. And for everyone at the KCSU Sports Department, signing off. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Kota Babcock, and this is Tech News for January 25th. Three states, along with the District of Columbia, are suing Google for invading the privacy of its users. According to Marcy Gordon at the Associated Press, the lawsuit claims that Google deceives its users and makes it impossible for them to completely avoid being tracked by the search engine. The lawsuit says that Google has, quote, an unprecedented ability to monitor consumers' daily lives, end quote. Despite the search engine using pop-ups to ask users for permission to see their locations, Texas, Indiana, Washington State, and Washington, D.C. as attorney generals say that the site actually makes it impossible for users to avoid sharing this data. Google is disputing the claims, with spokesperson Jose Castaneda saying, quote, The attorneys general are bringing a case based on inaccurate claims and outdated assertions about our settings, end quote. The following story discusses sexual assault and abuse. It is about 45 seconds to one minute in length, and listeners are encouraged to turn down their speakers if they are driving and have any concerns about their own reactions when listening to this story. After former Theranos executive Elizabeth Holmes was convicted of fraud in December 2021, courts gained access to the police records of the sexual assault she described in her testimony. According to Bobby Allen and NPR, police records say that Holmes was assaulted on the Stanford University campus. Police received a call at 10 in the evening of October 5th, 2003, when Holmes was 19. The same year she was assaulted, Holmes founded the failed biotech startup Theranos. In her December testimony, Holmes described the deep impact the assault had on her while she operated Theranos and how it ultimately pushed her to devote her life to the product. NPR says Holmes is currently free after paying bond and will face another hearing in the fall which may land her in prison. Prior to the release of these police records, it was unverified whether or not Holmes reported being assaulted in 2003. 
Facebook parent company Meta recently built what they're calling an artificial intelligence supercomputer. According to James Vincent at The Verge, the device and others like it are intended to train machine learning systems, including content moderating algorithms and augmented reality features. While the device is not yet completed, it is expected to be the fastest AI supercomputer in the world. Other large tech companies like Microsoft previously began work on similar devices, but Meta's device will play a large role in many of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp's features. Eventually, it is expected to support and design experience for the metaverse, a universe that Zuckerberg and other executives intend to create to link all virtual spaces through Meta platforms. That's all for tech news. I'm Kota Babcock, and now for the weather. Today we saw snow showers with a high of 31 degrees and a low of 11 degrees with mild winds. Wednesday will warm up to a high of 39 degrees with a low of 25 degrees and mostly sunny skies with low winds. Thursday, you can expect partly cloudy skies with a high of 34 degrees and a low of 18 degrees. And for Friday, be sure to tune in this Thursday between 4 and 5 in the afternoon for the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. If you missed any part of today's episode or want to listen to us in full episodes, check us out on Spotify by searching KCSU News. Information from this segment comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, Stephanie Keel, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Lindsay Johnson, Eliza Droder, Samuel Bailey, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time. 